Welcome to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host A.J. Torres. This week we got another great week of NFL action, a look ahead to the Grand Final in the AFL, and the Premier League gets back after an international break. But, A.J., we will lead off with the New England Patriots, who after a week of minimal practice due to some COVID cases, end up losing a head-scratcher at home to the Denver Broncos, whom they very much inconvenienced with the delay of the game. Some of the players were not on the Broncos weren't happy. Vic Fangio just said, this is life, boys. We just got to go play when we're told. And then they go out and win. So, at this point, the Patriots are sitting at 2-3. and three. We're really not sure what they are. Cam Newton just is kind of up and down. And meanwhile, Tom Brady's killing it in Tampa Bay. I just look back on week one after the Patriots beat the Dolphins and the Buccaneers lost in the Superdome and everyone was thinking, oh, Belichick clearly won this. He's such a genius, blah, blah, blah. Just like a little over a month later. I'm starting to wonder if Patriots are going to start missing Brady right now. What do you think of all this? Well, the because of this COVID protocol shutting down the facilities, because if you look at every single time you play the Patriots, you see this experienced, prepared, well-oiled machine nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The defense made a couple of key stops in the end zone, which made every single score field goals for Denver. But outside that, I mean, did Drew Locke have an amazing game? No. But if you look offensively, right, outside a couple trick plays, Cam did not look good. He looked like uh, he needed a little bit of work. There was a couple of head scratchers. And how did the game end when they could have tied this game? Nikhil Harry. Every time I see him where it matters, it just seems to slide away from him. Last year's overall uh, first pick for him, the first round pick for him, I mean, he trips or something. And why does it seem like when it's the last play, do or die, when the Patriot receiver doesn't deliver, he likes to flop? I saw with Julian Edelman last year at the Chiefs. Flopped. That just like the Belichick way, or what is it? But needless well. to say, outside James White being back, uh, God bless that man. Not a lot of good things on the Patriots. They're going to have to get together, and I think they will because history says they will, and they better. Yeah, you talked about flopping. It's really ironic. I remember in Super Bowl Forty Six, whenever the Giants were driving in the fourth quarter and you had two guys kind of flopping in the huddle at the same time and then one of them got right back up really quickly. That's all I could think about when you the mentioned that. The two offensive that. linemen uh, falling at the same time. Yeah. I My mean, knee! <laughs> yeah. Flopping in the NFL's almost become a tactic like in the NBA. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, well, I mean, hey, as far as I'm concerned, soccer is first. NBA to draw the foul. 
and then uh, dependent on some football players. That's true. That's very true. So right now the Patriots are in an interesting position in the AFC East. You got Buffalo leading the division at four and two, but they've been up and down all season. Their defense has been a pretty big disappointment for my tastes. I thought they would come in with Sean McDermott leading the way as one of the better defenses in the league, but they've been giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Gave up over 200 yards on the ground to the Chiefs. So my point is the Bills are definitely beatable. And now you even have the Dolphins, who are 2-3. and three. But before we get too excited about or, excuse me, the Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. Before we get too excited about that 3-3 three and three mark, do remember two of their three wins were over the 0-6 Jets and the one and now 1-5 Jags, and as well as a win at San Francisco, who is like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get out of the 49ers any given week. I, I'm going to count the Niners as legit, but if you're going to count the Giants and the Jets as wins... Eh, I think he got another thing coming. Well, I mean... Just my two cents. I wouldn't say they're quality wins, but in the end, in this league, a win is a win. They all count the same, whether you beat the reigning champs or you beat a team that picked number one in the draft the previous year. They count the same. I, my point is, I don't know how much we should take from those victories, not much. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. So, anyways, with the Patriots, the Bills are definitely vulnerable. The Dolphins are kind of rebuilding at this point. They're kind of another step along. I think they're right on the brink. Like, they're about to be good but they're just not quite there yet. But with the mediocrity of the AFC East, it's like, could the Dolphins actually be a factor this year? No. Maybe they'll factor into the division race, but probably not in the playoffs. I don't see them being a Super Bowl contender either. Absolutely not. So, yeah. Even with seven playoff spots this year, Patriots are in a unique position where you don't know if they're for sure going to get in, but you think they could get in. AFC has turned out to be rather competitive this year. You got three good teams in the in the North. Well, at least two. The Browns were still kind of figuring out, but as their games against the Ravens and Steelers have shown, I think they still have a little bit more work to do you've got the titans at five and oh and the colts a contender in the south and then you got the raiders who have come on this year and could challenge the chiefs well maybe they might push them i don't i think it'd be a tall order for the raiders to overtake the chiefs this year but yeah where are the patriots are clearly not rebuilding so they don't see are they a contender the Patriots, you can't rule them out, particularly when it's early. Now, there's some people going to say, oh, every time they're 500, they win it all. 
I'm just going to go by just the division itself and that defense, it's still there. It's it's too early to rule them out. If yeah, you want I'd to agree. say rule out the Jets, fine. Giants, fine. Patriots, you're going to have to tell me around week 14 before I start to give it a thought. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. They're probably going to hang around. The defense, despite all the guys that opted out, and Gilmore's missed some time with illness. I st- you still got Belichick leading that group, I, and I still think that they'll be able to put together a reasonably decent unit. So... Yeah, I think the Patriots will end up between 8 and 10 wins, I guess. 10 is probably being a little generous. Uh, I'd say that's a a ceiling range. I don't think you're wrong there. Right on. So moving on with that division, mentioned the Miami Dolphins and how they're sort of going. It surprised me this week when they announced that they were pulling the plug on Fitzmagic and going to insert Tua after their bye week. I was kind of confused by this move. I was like, you got a good thing going. Let's actually see what Fitzmagic can do for you. Maybe if he can get you into one of those wild card spots or contend for a division lead. Instead, they're going to go with the rookie. It doesn't make sense to me. How about you? Well, I know there's this big debate of what's going on. Now, I think this is one of those years where I think there is no expectations. Because if you remember a year ago, I believe uh, Fitzpatrick was the quarterback last year, correct? Yes, he was. But if you remember, after the first game where they got blown out by the Ravens, you got players calling their agents saying, get me out of here. This place is a nightmare. I don't want to be here. And if you were the Texans, you gave them quite the luxury because of the players So you relieve salary cap room, get draft picks. Now, with there being no expectations, I'm not sure how far they'll go. The line needs work. The secondary needs work. I think they could use a solid pass rusher. So they definitely need pieces. Every team does, but their pieces are very identical. And even even the pieces that they have, they could use another wide receiver as such. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you're really contending. Like they kind of seem as in like, Oh, for a contending, he's the best move right now. Now I understand that if you go off the bye week and you're giving him two weeks to prepare, it's like, Hey, listen Tua, I just need you to stay hydrated, eat well, view the playbook more than usual. Uh, you know, continue your workouts And then we're going to prepare for you to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Just one small problem. 
Actually, it's a big problem. What do you think that is? They're going to be facing the L.A. Rams coming off the bye week, and you got Mr. Aaron Donald waiting for you. Zeus, Mr. 99 himself, and two is a lefty quarterback. We thought that Alex Smith is fragile. This guy's career is in jeopardy with a hip injury. There is a rookie guard and rookie tackle on the right side. Tua's blind side. And we are going to say, good luck, gents. Good old college try. And are the Rams really contenders? My answer is yes. I mean, odd. If, if you want to give them experience, I got it. But usually you do this when it's a team that doesn't have big expectations. Rams are trying to contend. If we go by the schedule and see something like, oh, hey, we're playing the Jets this week. Dude, game's yours. Different. Yeah, I can kind of get that. I guess my bigger thought was just, I would have sat Tua for the whole year, make sure he was healthy, don't risk getting him hurt, all that jazz before you throw him in. If they had fallen out of contention by week 12, 13 or so, then I would be like, all right, maybe you could go give the kids some action. But, I mean, now with them at 3-3 and and potentially being able to be a factor in the AFC East, I would have stuck with... Fits magic, but that's just me. They don't pay me to make those decisions. I wish. But if we go by the remaining schedule, right? Rams, at Cardinals, Chargers, at Broncos, Jets, uh, at Jets, uh, Bengals, Chiefs, Patriots again, at Raiders, at Bills. If you look at the defenses there for the most part, not the Cardinals, uh, definitely not the Jets, Bengals to a degree, Raiders, I have no idea what it is yet. If you look at all the rest, right, Tua's got a lot of work ahead of him. It's true. I mean, the Chiefs defense, I mean, it's been looking pretty bad, but uh, my my question is just like what the Cowboys have been doing. It's like, hey, adjustments. If zone isn't working for three and a half quarters, how come we're not manning up? It's that simple. Of course, do you really think any of those Dallas defenders would have been able to match up man-on-man with Hopkins or Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella? All those guys, that probably would have been more ugly. But no matter what, they statistically is proven that they were going to mop the floor with them. I'm not sure if you knew this, but you know they're on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history? I had not and heard this is that. All, yes, this is before analytics and everything else. Well, guess what? You have analytics now. You decided to let Byron Jones walk in free agency. Now, I get so the injuries stupid. and everything else, right? But, well, actually, I believe with Brian Jones walking. But still, you got coaching. You got guys that could fill in. There's guys you could trade for. 
you got to try and fill that void somehow. What is going on there? And the thing about somebody saying, oh, the coaching is bad here. You complained about the coaching last year. Let your name be known for crying out loud. What needs to be done? And don't change it either because if you're on defense, right, to a point you could say about the coaching, but you got to put up, right? Yeah, you do. And you and you gotta go with the scheme. Like if the if the scheme calls for all zone and you go man up on somebody, it's gonna make you look like a fool. Right. Now if you wanna if you wanna say that let's say it's a pass rusher, right? If he's doing his best even though he's not putting up the numbers, hats off to him, this guy's trying. But then we go into other effects and it's just brutal. Right. So I guess my point with that is saying the scheme is bad is one thing, but you can't just overhaul it in the middle of a game. You definitely have to make adjustments within the game. But, yeah, just throwing the baby out with the bathwater doesn't always work. Absolutely not. And it's too early for this garbage. It is way too early for this. How do you mean it's too early? We got drama in the locker room, and there's only been, what, six games? Yeah, Dallas is definitely a chaotic situation. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have even gone through half the, <clears throat> half the year. You haven't even gotten to your bye week yet, and you're complaining. I mean, you haven't even put up to begin with. I mean, this is all just bad. It's recordly bad. Right. Well, that's a pretty good segue into our next topic. I was trying to think of just what team has really caught our eye in the NFC least, and you're going to dislike me for this one. But I've honestly come to the conclusion that I could see the Giants actually winning this division. Now, hear me out on this one. I'm not saying they're a good team by any means. I'll let you. Don't worry. But when I've watched this team recently, at least Joe Judge has them competing. You know that they are trying, even though they are just not as talented as most of the teams around them. I don't know if Daniel Jones is necessarily the long-term solution there. But, I mean, saw it in Dallas, saw it against Washington last week. They at least play with some purpose. And who knows, that just might be enough. If if Jones can just be efficient and Darius Slayton becomes at least a palatable number one target, he doesn't have to set the world on fire, but just becomes the go-to guy. Maybe, just maybe, Evan Ingram stays healthy. Who knows? Into the retirement home. I mean, I'm going to disagree and say the Eagles because look at all these guys, right? Because if you go by how disappointing this is, right? We had, if you remember last week, we're going, this is a no contest, right? 
This is Ravens all the way. Right. Remember? How come they had a chance of bringing that game in an overtime? How did it even get close? How does a team that has uh, supposed to be one of the top defenses in the NFL look at look at all the points to no name receivers? Look at the line that's banged up. Look at everything around you. All the starters aren't even playing on there. You almost blew the game to an NFC lease team filled with guys basically from the parking lot. Yeah. If you bet yeah. money on that game and you said, you know what, I'm taking a spread on the Ravens, well, you're not doing too hot, are you? You're hanging your head in nope. shame. If that was your pick in the survival pool, well, try again next year. Terrible. Yeah. I was just saying it might be possible for the Giants to potentially contend in that division. The Eagles are a team I'm just totally confused about. I mean, I like you said, they've had a lot of guys get hurt. Now you have Zach Ertz going to miss close to a month with an injury. Jalen Rager, who knows when that guy is coming back. They might be getting Deshaun Jackson back this week, but nothing new for Alshon Jeffrey. If they ever get healthy, I would probably fancy the Eagles as the most talented team in that division, which is not saying a whole lot, but... Coaching, too. Just... All goes down to coaching, right? Right, but I mean... Carson Wentz has been turning the ball over a lot, and I think he's trying to force it, really. Yeah, so it's like you see little flashes out of the Eagles that make you think they might be turning it around, and then the next minute they're just making you scratch your head a bit. Absolutely. I mean, I know you talked about the furious comeback that the Eagles had in that game, but of course the first half, they were terrible. But the fact that comeback even happened, it's inexcusable. Look at the secondary. One of those guys just recently got paid. Last year, Peters got extended. I mean, that stuff, you just can't, you can't do that. Late in the game, you had potentially the touchdown because you had set for the two-point conversion, right? Right. You're trying to go to the ref for a flag, and you just allowed a touchdown to a guy from the practice squad. A guy was in a parking lot two weeks ago. How do you feel, Peters? Yeah. It makes me think that the Ravens just kind of fell asleep in the second half. And maybe they'll get all that straightened out. Well, I mean, if we, we've we noticed that, right? It's like, hey, we're up by three touchdowns. We could set back a little bit. All right, guys, never mind. Okay, we could stop now. Okay, what are you doing? Okay, now we lost because we took it easy. You don't give gimmies. I don't care if it's four touchdowns with one quarter left. If you decide to sleep and they are hungry, 
and you lay an egg, you can lose. Look at the Falcons. Look at the Cowboys. Yeah, sitting on leads is something we've seen over and over. Jim Caldwell, Steve Mariucci, those kind of guys, both of whom coached the Lions, coincidentally. That's why they're not head coaches right now, because they sat on leads, and now with the rules being what they are, it's easier than ever for teams to come back in very short periods of time. So, yeah, you really just can't let up. and Nope. Maybe it was a mistake that happened once, and... John Harbaugh and that coaching staff will get it straightened out. That's what I think is going to happen, but I guess we'll see. They have the Steelers coming up in a couple weeks, and we're really going to find out a lot about this Ravens team in that game. Moving on to another little bit that was interesting came out today. As we know, Antonio Brown was suspended for the first eight games of this season, but he could come back after that. And Adam Schefter said that the Seahawks were going to be among the teams that were interested in signing Mr. Brown. So do you think the Seahawks are a good fit? And if not, where do you think he could end up? I think no. Going into the bye week, they were firing off on all cylinders. The only thing that was in the way of them is defense. I think they could use uh, a hand in the secondary. They definitely could use pass rush. And K.J. Wright and uh, Bobby Wagner can't do it all themselves. So my initial thought is the wide receiver core in the offense is firing off pretty well. Why do you need him there? Why do you even need him to see the playbook? It just doesn't make sense to me. You got DK Metcalf that's proven he's a force. Tyler Locke is underappreciated, but he's doing very well. You got more. You got tight ends that are good there. I mean, worst case scenario, you could take a running back and pull him in the slot. Stay away from Antonio Brown. Not to mention, they also have Josh Gordon, who they're waiting to get back from suspension. I just, Correct. I don't so see where... Why, why, do you need, why do you need to double down on the damaged goods? Yeah, that's my thought, too. I just don't really see a fit for A.B. In, in Seattle. I know there was a video of him working out with Russell Wilson in the offseason, but I'm just like, uh. nah. Well, You're reading too much into that. Mahomes and uh, Des Bryant. They didn't want. Uh, they didn't want Des in there. They don't want AB as a chief if they won without him. Essentially, I mean, even if you look at the last game with the Bills, they had a guy from the practice squad, and uh, he's labeled as a wide receiver, but he's used for in punk coverage. His name is Byron Pringle. Mm-hmm. He did the work for McCole Hardman yesterday. No idea what's going on with that, but if you looked at that, think the Chiefs need somebody like that? No. What team could use them? Who could be in the culture? It's it's hard for me to say. There's some people that are going to say Browns. I think if somebody could really use a wide receiver... 
I'm trying to go with somebody that he hasn't burned the bridge with. You know what I mean? Right. I know there was some rumors about the Ravens because of Hollywood Brown, who's already there. I think they're cousins, so maybe that would. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going on. I'm going on no there because that just doesn't fit the scheme. That's a run offense, and he's gonna complain about him not being fed the ball enough. Right. He's gonna mess up the scheme. No. And not to mention that they run a lot of play action and they use Mark Andrews effectively as their number one target. Nick Boyle also gets some looks. So, yeah, it's it's tough for me. Can we, can we uh, tell you what, I'll get a pen and paper and we could go with the teams that we could rule out. We'll, we'll just mark them off from all 32. You want to do that for some fun? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, let's see. Let me just pull up. Uh, we'll start out with the AFC East. Buffalo, not a chance. Well, New he England. denied, if you remember correctly, right? What's that? He denied being traded to the Bills. Right, so that's why they wouldn't correctly. touch him with a 10-foot pole. Patriots, forget about it. Already passed on him. Dolphins, maybe? I actually think that's uh, possible. So I'll I'll write that down for now. Keep going. And then you've got the Jets. That circus could use another clown. I don't think he's going to join the circus. He doesn't need to be the head attraction of the circus. And Adam Gase would say no. I'm also convinced ownership wouldn't want a player even like A.B., even if he has something left. Because honestly, I'm convinced the Jets are tanking at this point. That's why they still have Gase around. It's because they want to lose. So they can get Trevor Lawrence. Seems logical. So um, I'm just going to go off the list here. Uh, Cardinals, no. Falcons, no. Panthers, no. The Bears? I actually considered the Bears, but, you know, you've got Allen Robinson there already talking. You got an, Do you want another mouth to join that locker room? Of course, Anthony Miller hasn't quite been what they expected, so... It would be... Something I could see potentially, but don't think it's very likely. I'm I'm just going down all the way through. I mean, uh, I'm literally just writing everything down and putting a line through it that I think isn't isn't happening, or if it's possible, I'm just leaving it alone. Okay. So I guess we could go after Cowboys, Browns, Bengals. Both logical. I don't see why the Browns would need him. Bengals, John Ross wants out of there. You got Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. I don't see where he really fits in in Cincinnati. Unless Ross goes. Even then, I really don't think it's likely. 
the Jags. He's a Florida guy. That would be an interesting proposition. I mean, he just wants the opportunity. It's like, hey, one year, $1 million, no money guaranteed. Okay, whatever. I mean, some of these guys have weapons. Some of them don't. Yeah. And there's the culture aspect. Right. I just don't know that I see Brown and Doug Marone really getting along. But continuing with the AFC South, I don't see the Texans taking a chance on him. And then you have the Titans. This kind of like what you would get with Baltimore. The Titans are a very run-heavy team. And then A.J. Brown is the number one guy in Tennessee. Colts, you don't really know. I mean, the fact that they didn't... I mean, they didn't really put much effort to get in our guy. They really didn't. I think maybe it could help, though. So if we're bearing down it, right? Hmm. We know he isn't. No, Packers, no, Lions, no. Definitely not the Giants, right? Can't see that happening. So if I narrow it all the way down, and I don't see him fitting in Washington because they're trying to reset culture. So I think I got it down to. Well, are we ruling out the uh, Browns? I am. Are we ruling out the Bengals? I am. So, you're going to find it very interesting. We're down to three. Dolphins, Jags, Eagles. Hmm. Well, then again, the Eagles... Maybe they'll get Alshon Jeffrey back. They should get Jalen Rager back. I don't know where he really fits in with that. It's it's a should, shoulda, coulda, woulda thing. I mean, these injuries, hey, put one on the IL and treat it gently. Like, if it's week 10 and if you're worried about your ankle, I mean, really, stay on the IR. I need you 110%. I need you to go full out and not have more than regular soreness. But every other team I'm looking at, right? We got salary cap, the weapons they have in place. Like, if I look at a team like the Panthers, let's say, right? You got DJ Moore, Samuel, and then we got uh, Anderson. Right. They'd have no use for him. So even though that's not a elite star power, they got guys. Yep. Oh, and uh, you know I'm gonna root off. I'm gonna root off the Bears. Fair to assess. I think they'd be a long shot, but not impossible. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. But if you look at the Jags, I think he would just fit in. They could probably use a wide receiver. The Dolphins, it's I think they need a wide receiver in their scheme. Because Parker can't do it all himself. Yeah, he's they from the, the Miami. The, uh, they say the Browns and the Seahawks are the leaders, but I don't see the Seahawks doing it. And I don't see... Uh, I don't know. This is just so weird. It's a weird scenario. Yeah. He's from the Miami area, so I think the Dolphins might be the most logical fit for the reasons that we've laid out here. If you're in a win now and this guy can do it, my only thought is how many weeks in training camp is it going to be or, you know, just how many practices before he's fully to go? Like, I want to see how shape he's in and everything else. Yeah, that's a good point. It'll be interesting to see if some team does take a chance on him, how long it will take for him to get back up to speed. Very much so. Anyways, now we'll go down under for the next part of our program. Well, a few weeks ago, I predicted that Geelong and Richmond would play in the grand final of the AFL, and those two teams are still standing. So, I am delighted to see, first and foremost, that I was right, and second, that my Tigers are still going to be part of the grand final for the third time in four years. Just the, one game, right? One game does it? Yep. One game. Saturday. Woo! Yes, very early, 3.30 in the morning, and some of my fanatic friends <laughs> who love this league are trying to organize a watch party, and I'm just like, yeah, if I'm awake. So yeah. my thought is this, right? Is there a way that – because there's, there's two things that you got to do. It's no matter what, you got to go to bed sometime uh, early Friday, but do you wake up and have a good time Saturday morning? Or do you, because you're not staying up for the whole thing, I imagine. Because I could see myself as in like, hey, get out of work, take a long nap. And that's just like, hey, from like, uh, it's 4.30 in the morning my time. So I could see myself being like, hey, 3 a.m., you wake up like it's a very early uh, snow morning at work. And then just be like, hey, uh, let's... Uh, what we do? What we do about food for four thirty in the morning on a game day? <laughs> it's so one of those unique ones. Like we've done brunch for the London games here. I mean, it's like ten o'clock or so, at least on the east. But I mean, it's like if you're on the west coast, you're not waking up. You're gonna be in bed. Yeah, that's a good point. Although three thirty in the morning Central Time's a little bit of a different animal. I guess you have Absolutely. some coffee. And some other stuff, it's nice and warm. I imagine on the West Coast, you probably stay up for it. And, uh, heck, you're probably ordering pizzas and having beers, right? Yeah, on the West Coast, that might be possible. 1.30 a.m.? Yeah, Depending definitely. Depending on how tired you are, it's like, hey, take an hour or two nap. Yeah, that totally works. 
Yeah, totally could. I'm not sure that I want to pull an all-nighter, or at least not attempt to. No, not me, man. Not me. Yeah, 3.30, that's what would be required. But anyways, <laughs> the prelim finals were definitely two interesting games that didn't quite go exactly as I anticipated. The first prelim final was Richmond against Port, and it was a low-scoring, grind-it-out kind of game. And Richmond really did tighten up their defense against Port Adelaide, and they kept them off the board reasonably well. And they, and I also felt like the Tigers really did a good job in the midfield limiting opportunities. So they're definitely going to be facing an attack in Geelong that's not as high-powered as Port Adelaide is. I think this is definitely going to be a dangerous team Tigers will be. Meanwhile, Geelong absolutely rolled over the Brisbane Lions 82-42, to while Richmond and Port were both in the 40s, Tigers taking it 46-40. to So, <clears throat> one thing about Geelong for sure is they executed on their set shots and... They absolutely played on the Brisbane side of the field the whole game. I don't think they're going to be able to have that much time in the offensive zone against Richmond. I know that in the regular season, the Tigers won by 26 points. I don't see it being that much of a margin this time around. I see it maybe being 10 to 15 points one way or the other. But since I had Geelong winning from the start of the finals, I'm going to stick with the Cats. And Gary Ablett will get to walk off victorious in his swan song. Great player for Geelong. Will go out a champion. I hope it doesn't happen as a fan of the Tigers, but it's just what I see happening. Another interesting story from down under was Collingwood's Jordan Degoe, who's a potential free agent just implicated on an assault charge recently, which could definitely hurt his value going into the open market. So Teams does that like, mean they got to wait for his case before he gets a contract offer, if you're smart? I wouldn't. I definitely would if I were one of these teams. Apparently Carlton and Essendon are two teams that are interested in him. And those teams have kind of been struggling for the past few years, so I they mean, might be looking just to a make veteran, a splash. Just twenty-four years old. I mean, he's so he's out for the remainder of twenty twenty. But then, this is a tough one, man. Like, uh, for instance, uh, the Padres' backup catcher, I believe it's one guy over there. He got caught with 79 grams of pot. Now, there's going to be some people that are going to say, I don't care. But if you go by Georgia law, guess what the max penalty is? Want to take a guess? A year in jail? Uh, 10 years. Hmm. Max penalty. Now, wow. I don't think he's going to get that, of course. But I'm just like, hey, if you're... 
I'm pretty sure if you wanted to be a smart aleck or whatever the case may be, Judge has a bad day. I mean, I get it. I mean, there's just one of those states like Georgia where they just do not change that policy. So if I'm undercorrect, DeGoey had a finger surgery. And now with this assault charge, he's essentially going to be waiting for the agency. Now, is this going to be big-time money? Is this going to be average money? What's your thought on this? Well, I don't think it'll be huge. I think it'll be somewhere between average to above average money here. How much you think in uh, U.S. dollar-wise? Do you need me to convert it for you? I could do so if you need to. (laughs) Australian dollar to uh, U.S. dollar. I'm not sure that's entirely necessary. Unfortunately, I haven't really looked at the payroll situations for Carlton or Essendon right now. I've just been looking more toward the grand final. And Another thing is that the last two grand finals Richmond were in, in 2017 against Adelaide, and in 2019 against GWS Giants, Richmond blew both of those teams out. And against the Adelaide Crows in 2017, they won, I think, 115-60 to 60 against Adelaide, who was at the top of the ladder that year. And then you had, <clears throat> last year, Richmond was the three seed going against the Giants, who were the six seed, and they beat them 114-25. to 25. <laughs> It was an absolute beatdown. I don't think anything that drastic is going to happen this year. But who knows? Maybe they're just one of those teams that when all the heat gets on them, they just get better and better. They might have to have their backs up against the wall to bring out the best. You never know. I think the biggest key for Richmond in this game is going to be Tom Lynch. He's their primary forward. He's got to be able to execute on those set shots. And he was a real force against Port. So I think he's got to play as well, if not better, than he did in order for the Tigers to come out victorious. Now moving to the other side of the pond. Premier League was back in action again this past week. And we had Aston Villa once again taking all three points as they downed Leicester one to nothing. Ross Barkley ended up getting the goal for the Clarets in stoppage time, first minute of stoppage time to be exact. I know it's really early in the season, but I think for a team that was fighting relegation a year ago, maybe they're poised to move up. A lot of this depends on if they can keep Jack Grealish. I know he's been a common transfer target for some of the bigger clubs. He is an excellent player and I think essential for Villa to keep up this run they've been on. Massive kudos to Dean Smith, who's been leading that club and brought them back to relevance. Also this week, we had the first matchups in this year's Champions League. 
Bayern Munich, the reigning champions, ran past Atletico Madrid today 4-0, and they look like they might be in a good position to defend their title. In a very surprising move, or surprising result, Real Madrid got beat 3-2 by COVID-ravaged Shakhtar Donetsk. Shocking. Yeah. Very surprising. Yeah, I mean, Los Blancos were the reigning La Liga champions, and even though they've had some tinkering going on ever since Cristiano Ronaldo left the club a couple years ago, Zidane just hasn't quite worked his magic with the guys yet, but they're definitely going to give Zidane some time to work with this younger lineup. I mean, the dude won three straight Champions League titles. You know they're going to keep him around as the manager. And Manchester United ended up surprising people with a 2-1 win over PSG in Paris yesterday. Considering United's form in the Premier League, I was kind of surprised by this result. But I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did a very sound tactical move by bringing in more defenders and playing them up as wingbacks. We have saw Aaron Wan-Bissaka, the usual right back, in a 4-2-3-1 set. He kind of moved up as a wingback, and we've seen him be able to get up the field and create some opportunities, and he managed to do that. And I also really liked the performances we saw out of Young winger Axel, his his last name's Tundesbe. Always, uh, yeah. always yeah. one. Easy yeah, he's a teenager who came through the system, and he's gotten some playing time here and there. But he looked really good, and and Fred, midfielder, he really stuck out against PSG. I mean, I was amazed a team with. Neymar and Kylian Mbappe up front only managed one goal against this team where Brighton was scored multiple goals and had all those shots against the Reds before. It was really surprising to me. And I, I think Luke Shaw really did himself a solid in this performance for the Reds because he had really been trying to do too much before... Against Tottenham, he looked like he was nervous and out there trying desperately just to keep his spot in the lineup and even on the team. He kind of got in the way with Harry Maguire on the first Tottenham goal and sort of didn't necessarily directly interfere with, but looked like he caused some confusion with David De Gea on the second Tottenham goal back in that game, so... You know, if you're keeping your name out of the headlines as a defender, particularly one who's been embattled, I think that's got to be considered a good day for you. So I know Alex Tellez was brought in from Portugal in the transfer window, and we'll see when he gets back up to speed. But definitely looks like Shaw kept his head above water, at least for now. So... Got to be in some encouraging news for the Reds, and they're going to face Chelsea this weekend against American 
superstar Christian Pulisic and and the Blues. It'll be very interesting for me to see how that game goes. Now, coming back to the States to wrap up and look ahead to Week 7. Tomorrow night, we got an NFC Least showdown as the Giants head to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. What do you think of this one? You know, it's funny because I had the Redskins winning last week, and I think whoever got the ball in overtime, I think would have won that. That could have been either way. But I, I was a lot – we were both a lot closer than we thought. We thought this was going to be a touchdown difference between one of the two. Um, I'm going Eagles on this one because if you could keep up very well with one of the best AFC teams, you just seem to have that edge. Yeah. I don't know. I just got a feeling about the Giants right now. I don't know how much of an upset it would be to if the Giants actually pulled this one off, considering there's only a half a game difference. But also in that series, it's been so lopsided towards Philadelphia recently, it's got to turn around sometime. In the last six years, the Giants have only won one game against Philadelphia. I don't know why. I'm just feeling big blue in this one. Fair enough. So, you want me to round off these games here? Got the whole list. You want to start with uh, the big one? The big one? You talking about Pittsburgh at Tennessee? Yes, I am. Yeah. I remember in week four when these two teams were supposed to play, I was leaning Titans, but now I'm reversing and I'm going with the Steelers. You know, I've been I've been flip-flopping this. I went Steelers beforehand, but the way that it's just hot on that end, I think we're I'm going to go uh, Titans here. Now, I think that defense is going to have to wake up, but uh, I'm just going by the Titans offense, and we'll just see how it goes, and we'll see if the Steelers could pick up the pace and keep up with them. This might be a high-scoring game, or this might be uh, a hot Steelers defense carrying the way, and Tannenbaum's going to flop. I'm going to bite the bull on this one and say Titans. Okay. Yeah, I've been seeing how the Titans' defense has been struggling recently. And, I mean, the Steelers, Chase Claypool in particular, has really been stepping up for them. So that's why I'm just leaning toward Pitt. But, yeah, that's definitely the game to watch. So next game we got Cowboys at Washington. Lovely. NFC least again. Something that I... Listen, I'm not going to watch tomorrow night's game. And I'm not going to be tuned on to this one. Thank goodness. But I'm going to go Washington here. Because you got... 
one of the worst defenses on track for one of the worst in NFL history, potentially the worst in NFL history. You're having plot problems in the locker room. It gets out to the media. The coaches are upset. The players are being babies, and they're not being accounted for. It's a complete mess over there. If Ezekiel Elliott can't hold on to the ball, then what's good? The front the front four that he's got to break through to run the ball isn't amazing. But sure enough, right? You think that those guys like Kerrigan and Chase Young are going to just let you walk in? They will not. Washington here. Zeke's got so every element is does not look good in Dallas. I have to go Washington. Yeah, I'm going Washington too. We saw how badly that Dallas offensive line looked against Arizona and I, and the other the way, night. Did, now I'm did just you thinking, bet on that game? No, I didn't. But anyways, I I bet on that game and I wish I bet more. I went Cardinals all the way, and that spread should have been a lot more than one or two points. Because it was two points when I took the spread. Well, that was definitely a wise move on your part, but that bad offensive line in Dallas and just the Washington ability to get after the passer, I just... Another guy hurt on Dallas O-line too, Zach Martin. Yeah, if, if he can't come back this week, they're in real trouble. Andy Dalton's going to be under siege. So, yeah, give me Washington football team in this one. Okay, now we go to the, well, the NFC, still mediocre, but Bills at Jets. Can we just say Bills and move on from here? Yeah, that's good for me. (laughs) Okay, something divisional, a little interesting. This, I think, uh, could lean either way because of the trend. By the way, is it raining over there by you, or is that hail? Yeah, we got a little rain outside. It sounds it sounds like it's hard on my end, man. Sounds hard. Text you there? Yeah, I've been here. Gotcha, Maybe gotcha. Mic up a little bit too loud on that one. You're getting a little too much from the outside. <laughs> all good, all good. Uh, Panthers at Saints. What do you got on this one? Ooh, that's a good one. I know I was talking I can't, earlier. I can't about make heads or tails with this. I mean, I'm about to coin flip this one too. Except last time I did the coin flip, it was Jags against the Lions from last week, and well, <laughs> we know how that went, right? Yep. But, yeah, I know I was talking earlier about how the Panthers could be a worst-to-first type team. This is going to be a huge showdown for that. And Michael Thomas might be back in the lineup for New Orleans in this game. And even if he's not 100%, he'll play. even if he's only 75%, I'm, I'm still going with the Saints. I think that's a wise move, although if uh, if once again New Orleans doesn't get it in check, we might be looking at a Panther team that's, well, you're right. It may, it may not be worse to first, per se, but a team we should have on the radar. 
Right. Something we should look more into. So next we got Green Bay at your Texans. Well, you know, I've liked the last two weeks. I particularly liked last week when Cornell went for the two-pointer at the end of the game. He was trying to give the KO shot to the Titans. I mean, you're a one-and-four team. you got to try some stuff like this. I applaud the courage, even though it didn't work. And they ended up losing the game. So, even though I see an uptick in form, got Aaron Rodgers after a loss. He's going to be mad in this one, and I don't know if the Texans are going to be able to get much pressure on him or be able to keep up with the Green Bay receivers. So, yeah, give me Packers all day. Give me Packers all day and don't pelvic thrust in the end zone, Aaron Rodgers. If you missed it, he goes to run in the end zone. His knee is down at the one. For a touchdown celebration, he twice pelvic thrusts in the end zone. And everybody from commentary to the Bucks are like, you disrespectful SOB. Gets called back, eventually scores, you know, next player too. But then 38 unanswered points. Through interceptions, you name it. He can do that this week. But moving on, we got a, well, we have a north. Well, these are the Browns at Bengals. And, yeah, this is a turd fest. What are you thinking here? This one I was kind of going back and forth on as well. The Bengals have just been really close in recent weeks, and I figure at some point they're going to get it together. What are the Browns really? I don't know. The first meeting in Cleveland between these two was really close. This could be another exciting game. Maybe I'm getting a little too upset happy this week, but I'm going to go with the Bengals. Now... I think it really depends on who starts, too. Um, There is that talk that uh, Baker is hurt. It's something with the ribs. Uh, Case Keenum is very capable, of course. I'm going to go Browns just because the Bengals. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, they have proved the same quality in these games late. And that is these two are having trouble finishing the game. As in, hey, we got three minutes left on the clock. Fourth quarter. Touchdown for the lead, and you will win us this game. Try too hard. Picked off. We need to see improvement from them. They're talented, but they can't they can't finish a game at the moment. I'm going Browns. Yeah, the Bengals are a young team, and they'll eventually figure out how to finish off these games. I think it could start this week, especially if Mayfield's not at 100%, like you said. Well, that's also based on the quarterback, too. Right. So, I mean, if the quarterback can't finish, that's not anybody else. Yeah, regardless. There's sometimes where you blame the wide receiver, but at the main time, it's like, hey... If he makes a bad throw, that's on the quarterback. 
That is true. Next matchup, we got the Lions at the Falcons. Ooh. Call me crazy, but I'm going to go Fat Patricia with the Texas native Stafford and no, not to eat fried chicken to win the game in Atlanta. Yep. Matthew <laughs> Stafford goes back to his old stomping grounds near Athens, Georgia for this one. But I actually got the birds making it two in a row. Fair enough. Well, I mean, both of these defenses is really what it comes down to. I can't make heads or tails with them. It's true. It's very true. The next, the I mean, next this match is, being uh, – oh, go ahead. My I mean, bad. yeah, My it's bad. just really unpredictable all around. Agreed. So we got the undefeated Seahawks fresh off the bye week against the Redbirds. Another team without defense, mind you, but their defense isn't that great. Yeah, I imagine there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. So technically, they had a bye week, so you couldn't root for the Seahawks two weeks in a row. So where are you going here? This really is a tough one. I'm... I'm probably too upset happy this week, and it's probably going to bite me in the behind, but I'm going Cardinals. I'm going to go Seahawks ride till it dies. Until they say to me, hey, this ain't working. I mean, if the if the Cardinal defense was stronger, I'd say no. But I got to go Seahawks, especially fresh off the bye week. I'm not going to go by travel. I'm not going to go by Monday night. I'm just going to go, hey, Seahawks until they lose. I think that's fair. Next, we got Jags at Chargers. Both the teams, we got a 1-5 team, and the Chargers 1-4 fresh off the bye. Yeah, you were talking about we got? not being able to finish games. Chargers have certainly been a victim of that a time or two this season. But I got them winning this one over the sputtering Jags. Really? Yeah, I do. At home, I just think Herbert will have a pretty big game against a pretty bad Jaguars defense. And Gardner Minshew has looked shaky in recent weeks. People are remarking about the turnovers, but he really doesn't have a lot of help out there other than he maybe doesn't. DJ Chark. And James Robinson has kind of cooled down after his pretty hot start. Because they knew who he was, yeah, right? The line has been sporadic. Not great. I just think this honestly looks like somewhat of a mismatch to me. I think former Jaguars coach Gus Bradley will – take it out on his former team this week. I'm going to go Chargers because if we go by the defense alone, I think the secondary is really going to put uh, Minshew uh, run for his money. The Chargers are 
you know, they got more rest, they planned more, they're due. I mean, this is kind of, uh, you know, which bad thing do you want? But I'm just going to say Chargers here. They're more prepared for it. I think they got it. Uh, next one, this is going to be another tough one. Niners at Patriots. And who's going to get the refs? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Like I said earlier, the Niners are that box of chocolates. You don't know quite what you're going to get. But now they're going across the country, facing off against Belichick team that you figure won't have another letdown this week. I think that especially missing a guy like Nick Bosa is really going to hurt the 49ers in this game. I think Newton is going to have a rebound performance this week. And I got the Patriots. You know, I'm gonna go by I'm gonna go by the genius and his scam. Uh scheme, sorry, not scam, scheme. I'm gonna go with uh, Bill Belichick and uh Well I just think that's a safer call than the forty ers that are up and down so much we're not gonna be able to get it. Especially if Bill Belichick knows Jimmy Garoppolo. That's one thing you typically don't see from Bill Belichick is, you know, Tom Brady's been on that roster the whole time. He hasn't played. When's the last time Bill Belichick has played against his former protege? Can we remember anything? Uh, Maybe Matt Castle. Castle or Teddy Bridgewater? Not Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Right. I mean, this is going to be something serious here. I, I, I mean, I think you have to go Patriots. Yeah, also Raheem Mostert for the 49ers probably is going to end up on injured reserve. So, um, It says doubtful right now, most likely injury reserves, yeah. But even with that taken out, even with that taken out, uh, Bill Belichick knowing Jimmy G defense, you have to. Now we got my team, the Chiefs at Broncos. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Chiefs in this one. I have to, and uh, we'll see how Le'Veon Bell does this week. I think uh, the ground game's gonna be nice and. I think they're going to keep it rocking, but also, mile high, Mahomes could throw. Definitely. So, now we have the Sunday night King Gruden game, which means the Bucks at Raiders. Yeah, I always, whenever I see a former Super Bowl matchup, I always think back to that game and, that was one of the worst Super Bowls I've seen. Granted, I wasn't around in the 80s for some of those awful games. But, yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. My father watched uh, the game with uh, his, if you look at it, right? Outside a tee from the 
NFC East, rather. My father saw the uh, Bears stomp all over the Patriots, and he said it was an amazing game to watch, even though it was a blowout. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, he said he he watched it live and everything. Um, Back to this. This is interesting, but uh, I got to go Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. But in the last meeting between these two teams in Tampa Bay in 2016, Derek Carr threw for 513 yards, I believe. And I think he's been underappreciated this year so far, but I don't know that he's going to have quite the same numbers, particularly against a improved Bucks defense. Raiders have proven they can generate some points, but I think the Vegas magic isn't going to be there for them in this one. Take Tampa. Agreed. Yeah, I'll take Tampa. And the last one, we have the one half of the joint custody of Tom Brady in Nick Foles at the Rams. What do you got, Tex? I'm not sure if I'm slowly starting to become a believer in the Chicago Bears, but maybe I am, or maybe I'm still just skeptical on the Rams because they haven't beaten a team outside of the four from the NFC least yet. One of those has to be A little bit of both on my end. But, yeah, I'm going with Da Bears. Da Bears. I mean... As far as it being close, I think we've already mentioned that these are going to be close games. But it doesn't matter how you grind. It's how you finish and depending on what the score is on the board. It's going to be interesting to see uh, Foles underneath the lights on a prime time. But I'm going to have to say he has it. Anything else, Tex? Well, back to that Thursday game between the Giants and Eagles for a minute. I know that Philadelphia has also given Pittsburgh a run for their money a couple weeks ago as well. But I think Miles Sanders is, yeah, he's definitely going to be out for this game as well. And. We've already gone so over Boston their Scott's going to be the savior? What's that? Boston Scott is going to be taking over at running back again? Yeah, good luck with that. Um, but the point is we've documented their injuries at receiver and to Zach Ertz as well and to their offensive line. I mean... Apparently there's only nine... Apparently the only starters right now for the offense is the center... Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, mm-hmm. and Wentz. Everybody else has been a substitution, a practice squad, a sub. As I said before, guys in the parking lot, and these guys are actually making it interesting. Yeah, it's just a really tough one for me to decide just because 
I mean, part of me feels like, you know, the Eagles have looked good in some of these games, but losing Sanders, what are you going to get out of Deshaun Jackson with him coming back? No Ertz. And just Carson Wentz turning the ball over. If he takes care of the ball, you know, all bets are off for Big Blue in this one. But I don't know. I'm just I'm feeling lucky. This could totally look bad next week. But we'll see. Give me the judge and his, his guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Never a dull moment. Not ever. I mean, cer- I mean, certain topics are stale. I mean, we did pass in the Jets for good reason. But outside of that, it's very hard to be a dull moment. Well, now that you bring the Jets up, I'm going to shoehorn it right at the end. Saw once again on Twitter, Roddy White, former Falcons receiver, said that T-Law should just stay at Clemson instead of going to the Jets with the number one overall pick. I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and largely my sentiment has not changed on this. Yeah, but do, do not go that... to New Jersey. Say to every single media out there, and you should start now. I, It's like, hey, Trevor, I know that, you know, Some people question your intelligence, but repeat after me. I will not play for the Jets. My home crowd will not be in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's not hard. Especially nowadays with social media. Do a live stream from your living room, your dorm room, wherever, and just rage on the Jets. Is there something saying he can't do that? No, I don't think there is. I mean, there's there's guys that don't do it because they're going to say, oh, the guy's character or his professionalism. But since this guy's the number one draft pick since Andrew Locker, Peyton Manning, I think this guy could do anything outside of something to do with the law. Pretty much. This guy could say anything he wants as long as it's not slander. Well, you know, unethical, I guess you could say. This guy could trash teams. He could trash players. This guy could almost say anything on this green earth that is not flat, Kyrie Irving, and still go, well, he's going to be in the top five, I think. If he's not number one, somebody's going to trade up for him or be the next pick or something around there. And even if the Jets do go, right, they're going to trade it up to somebody. They're going to get something. Yeah, they would get a ton of either You're either going to bust the best quarterback and the best prospect of the decade, possibly possibly this millennia, Well, rather this, uh, well, new century, maybe. That works. Right. But there's there's no way they could get this one right because they have not drafted well. They have not signed good free agents. They haven't coached well. 
until you turn around with regular players, you can't do it with such a project like this. Well, then again, a franchise quarterback can turn anybody around. So, I don't know. I don't know if they have all the pieces this in is place. This they is much different. We... They still would need a little bit more, but I wonder if you look at a lot of downtrodden teams and they got the quarterback in there and he utterly changed how that team is. My one thought is, imagine if it were some other organization – than the Jets, who were in position to tank and get that top pick and get this guy, would an organization like the Giants or Washington or, you know, just throwing this one out, out of the blue, Denver, even though they're not in position for that, do you mm. think other organizations would get the same scrutiny the Jets do? You know, I'm going with no because at the end of it, right, let's say the Giants, right, and there's a talk about, hey, they might get the number one overall pick in a draft, and they seem to depend on what the Jets are doing. Well, the Giants just got a head coach. They have good things around them. I mean, if you look at some – they even signed good free agents. Logan Ryan, good free agent pick, underappreciated. It's low-key. If you look at what he did as a Patriot and as a Titan, look at Jabril Peppers. There's things there. There's a wide receiver core. There's there's flashes. You have Saquon Barkley. Rebuild the line offensively, and there's something there, and you're you're not far off. The Jets, they don't even know who's going to be head coaching next year. We don't know who's going to be calling the plays. It's not a free agent destination. That is doomed to failure. Is there any other team that we could pick out that we could say, you know what, they could go 0-16 this year and next year they'll be better? We could. We kind of said that about the Dolphins last year. We did. And well, sure enough, next year they might be a complete team. After this year's finished, they got free agency, they got the draft, they might be a complete team. Not saying that it's like, hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl. You still have to figure out what you have every year. But your beginning window starts of that potential. Like, were the Chiefs uh, a team to win it all in a couple for a couple years? They may were not. Maybe they maybe weren't the best. But if they got there, you you could say, oh well, I know how they got here. Play calls, key interceptions, things like that. They could be that team. They could be that playoff team, and that's what you're supposed to do. When you say we're willing to compete, it's like, hey, we want to make a good playoff run. The Giants can do that. The Dolphins could probably do that next year easily. The Jets, the playoffs is a pipe dream, even with the extended playoffs next year. Trevor Lawrence or not. Your wide receivers healthy or not, you get another elite potential offensive lineman like Mackay Becton. You give him a wingman on the other side, fine. But you're not competing. 
You could slander the Jets all you want because it's deserved. You could say the same thing with uh, just another handful of organizations because there's got to be turnaround. There's got to be results. And, well, the team's got to get results, and sometimes two or three years it happens. Right now you're getting Noongats. Right. I just think if you get Lawrence onto the Jets and then you get a coaching staff that knows what to do with him, that things could legitimately turn around there. I think people are putting too much emphasis on the clothes. I mean, ultimately, I don't know who's going to be the head coach of the Jets next year. We know it's not going to be Adam Gase. It shouldn't be. I don't know if you get Eric B. Enemy or someone like that in there. You know, ultimately, there's going to be OCs out there that want to go coach Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know if you could attract B. Enemy up there. I definitely think the Texans will be a contender to have B. Enemy's services next year. That would be an interesting choice. Now, there's a lot of people that love Eric Bieniemy, but there's only one thing that I that I will say about this. And just remind, just remember this: you want to know who was the last offensive coordinator that was underneath Andy Reid, and he went to go get a head coaching job? Matt Nagy. Correct. And you know, before this big giant, you know, positive looking start, they were thinking that this year he could be on the hot seat. Yeah, I definitely heard the rumors out there. So I understand that they say Eric Bieniemy is a game changer and everything else, right? Offensive coordinator, this and that, yada yada yada. Listen, is it gonna be uh, is it gonna be sad for him to leave the Chiefs when he's gonna tackle on our opportunity? Absolutely, but I'm not gonna cry over spilt milk because it's still the same playbook from Andy Reid. Matt Nagy was calling plays from Andy Reid's playbook. He only won a Super Bowl with it. So if we're going to say Eric Bieniemy, right, if he's going to go with any horizon, right, and it was the same thing when they were talking about, uh, uh, let's see, Urban Meyer uh, coming back, uh, Matt Rule. Did teams like Washington, the Jets, have a chance? Urban Meyer only slandered the Washington team. On all over social media. That wasn't happening. Even if they bought Matt Rule's contract, was he going to say, I'm all for this? You got to be attractive in a position. Trevor Lawrence or not, okay, I get Trevor Lawrence, the best prospect. It's not going to look good on my resume where my first job, I'm going what? At most, 10 wins in three years? It's going to look like in our situation of uh, Fat Patricia. Is that nice? Well, I'm just still thinking you get Lawrence and the right coach in there. Things could turn around for that franchise, but I still get that. Are they actually going to make the right call? Yeah, that's definitely doubtful. I wonder if Dabo Swinney would come up with Lawrence to coach the Jets. He's very comfortable. Um, I did a whole article for the Worst Take Network about it, and 
my my thought of it is this, and that is, well, those guys, now Sweeney and Saban are brought up. It's a pipe dream because they're so set where they are, it's not even funny. They don't have to worry about salary cap. All they have to do is they got guys who recruit. They have a whole staff of doing it. All this man has to worry about is make account for who's leaving, bringing new guys in, and do his thing. He makes the culture. He makes all the rules. And in the NFL, you don't have it that way. Could you imagine a guy like Sweeney coming into the NFL and he, you know, does the same thing as Bill O'Brien, meaning like I demand being the general manager, I demand being the head coach, I demand calling the plays? No, I cannot imagine that. That's the kind of power those guys would want. And on top of success and money, they have no reason to leave where they are. It would just be for a new challenge, I guess. And you know, if you and when you go buy money and winning, there's no way that they're gonna go buy challenge. They're gonna be like challenge. Challenge is uh, me thinking when's the time for me to retire and live out the rest of my life. But they love it so much, I don't even think they do that. That's one thing to think about. But you know, we've seen college coaches come up before. Jimmy Johnson and now Cliff Kingsbury. Granted, the jury's still out on the ladder. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how some of this stuff pans out. Yeah. Well, Any other notes tonight? That's it? Yep. All right. In the meantime, uh, everybody listening, uh, this is Tex and uh, AJ from the All Football Podcast. I hope everybody is well. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Have a good one, and we'll be back next week. Tex? Yep. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.